HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Culture and Flavor is a podcast about food and culture centered in Black and Indigenous foodways. Hosted by myself, Zella Palmer, right here in New Orleans, Louisiana. Each episode features high vibrational conversations with cultural bearers, chefs, farmers, scholars, barbecue pitmasters, and more. Where there is flavor, there is history. Join me on Culture and Flavor and all of my guests as we share stories that will have you praise dancing, cooking, conjuring, and inspiring your culinary journey. Y'all, I'm so excited today. Um, Gustavo Botino is a friend. Um, He is joining us today on Culture and Flavor, uh, a native of Sao Paulo, Brazil, who lives between Amsterdam and Brazil. There's so much that I could say about Gustavo. I met him last year at the Churrascada International Barbecue and Music Festival in Sao Paulo. He is the co-founder and curator of Churrascada Brazil, the co-founder and creative director of Soil Vegan Cafe in Amsterdam. He has done so much in the executive marketing world and general management. He's worked for some of the biggest names in retail, such as LVMH, Domino's Pizza, Subway. He's he's a graduate from um, UC Berkeley with his MBA, a BA in marketing and communications from ESPN Brazil. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And I had the pleasure of meeting Gustavo and his lovely wife when I went with Ed Mitchell, the legendary barbecue pit master from North Carolina, and his son, Ryan Mitchell, last year for Churrascada Barbecue Festival. And to me, it was like the Willy Wonka of barbecue. <laughs> it was the most amazing barbecue festival I have ever been to. I've never seen anything like that. Um, and I really you know, was just blown away by just the diversity of people who participated in the festival and how he was really intentional on making sure that um, indigenous representation was there, Afro-Brazilian representation was there, and that he was intentional about who he invited from the United States to participate. So without further ado, I want to welcome my friend Gustavo to Culture and Flavor, and thank you all for joining us today. Welcome, Gustavo. Well, thank you very much for having me, uh, Zella, in Culture and Flavor. And uh, thank you to all your listeners uh, who are going to endure through uh, some of Willy Wonka's uh, ideas here. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. If you all look up Churrascada Barbecue Festival, I mean, it's the most creative, um, ingenious barbecue pit masters I've seen. Um, They had, you know, flying, um, you know, cages with vegetables rotating around. I mean, it was just, it was amazing. But aside from that was the, you know, the preservation of barbecue in Brazil, which has a long and deep history. And I would love for you to talk to to our listeners a little bit about just the culinary history, the barbecue culinary history of Brazil. 
Well, I love barbecue. I love uh, food. Um, and uh, yeah, ready to uh, ready to share a little bit of my uh, my point of view and my experience um, and uh, how I see uh, uh, this whole barbecue culture moving forward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember you talking, we went to, we had an event at your restaurant and um, it's one of, you know, it's, it's a beautiful restaurant, Fazenda Chodoscala. And um, just, you know, it was a, a time of fellowship when so many people from all over the world came to participate in the festival. And as far as I know, you're the number one barbecue festival in the world. Um, and I was so excited to hear from you recently that the ticket sold out literally in what, a few days and one hour, one, one hour, hour, one hour, <laughs> one hour, six minutes this, this year. Crazy. And just even just walking in the restaurant and just seeing, um, learning so much about St. Lawrence, the barbecue patron saint, um, the, you know, just the, the fact that your restaurant is also on a heritage site. I would love for you to just talk about your journey, how you came into barbecue, um, you know, your life in Brazil and how you decided to also be intentional about, um, you know, the preservation of meat and um, sustainability as far as it, as the animal and focusing more Mm -hmm. also on veganism and sustainability so that we can enjoy quality cut meats without over-processing them and over-consumption. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, well, my story, um, as you uh, put very well in the beginning of this conversation, uh, started in the marketing, communications, advertising world. Uh, but I've always been that person amongst the friends who the friends keep asking, why don't you open a restaurant? Why don't you open a restaurant? You cook so well and so on and so forth. So food has always been uh, uh, a big part of uh, who I am. Mm -hmm. And um, after almost 20 years uh, working for other companies, other people, I decided to follow my passion. And um, I had the chance to live in the States. Uh, went to, uh, I went to school in the States, uh, in California. And then I lived in New York for a little bit. And um, I went back to Brazil with this idea of um, bringing the barbecue culture uh, to, to Sao Paulo, my hometown. And uh, this is how my uh, my road in the gastronomy world started, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Brazil has a very uh, ingrained barbecue culture that dates back from, you know, the indigenous people who used to habitate uh, um, uh, the area, which we now we now understand as being you know like the politically geographically uh, defined as a country called Brazil these people have been there for 6000 years and they basically uh, uh, gave us um, or gave the Europeans who arrived just in like in the 1500s right Brazil was discovered as the portuguese like to put or how we learned in school um i prefer to think that they just arrived and they claimed the land for them mm-hmm. um but uh, that was in um exactly in uh, 1500 mm-hmm. um so when they got there they uh, they met all these amazing indigenous people with um, you know with their ancestry and uh, their knowledge, and um, that was uh, slowly and gradually claimed for themselves. And um, um, this um, yeah, this barbecue culture that started uh, with indigenous people is uh, pretty much part of. Um, of uh, who we are in Brazil, you know, like Brazil is known for not a lot of things, but uh, for some things, you know, like Brazil is known for its music, for the carnival, uh, you know, for its, 
incredible uh, um, natural beauty. Um, and it's also known for barbecue. And uh, the reason why it's, it's known for its barbecue, it's because uh, uh, barbecue is spread all throughout Brazil. It's the one dish that the five different Brazilian uh, uh, gastronomic cultures, that's how I like to see, we're five big regions in Brazil. And uh, they're completely different uh, culturally. Uh, but uh, bar barbecue is, um, is 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 present in all five of them, <laughs> and um, and uh, this is uh, something that I think it's very important and uh, preserving or bringing back or let's put it this way, um, bringing the representation or the roots of what real Brazilian barbecue is, is very important to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I started going back to your question, uh, you know, like my, my trajectory in the, the gastronomy world started with American barbecue, which initially has nothing to do with Brazil. Um, but I opened a restaurant uh, in Sao Paulo um, about uh, 11 years ago. It was the first uh, like smoke joint uh, 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 in the country. And um, after so many years working with that, now we realize that uh, you know the tradition of, of American barbecue may might as well. Uh, have been uh, born in Brazil, mm. which is uh, quite weird and uh, interesting to say. <laughs> <laughs> because when you walk into, you know, when did you open Fazenda Jurescada, the restaurant? The restaurant's quite new. Uh, we opened in the middle of the pandemic. Mm. Just, uh, just so people understand, and like the the festival itself. Uh, started in 2015 uh, and it's always been uh, um, about uh, the celebration of uh, people around fire and food mm -hmm. right not only meat uh, it's really like food and fire and uh, we want to preserve through the festival the uh, the simplicity the um, the most primitive form of uh, cooking or gastronomy that we know you know like our like our ancestors used to do mm -hmm. and um, the idea has always been to uh, bring you know like chefs who are friends and uh, you know like just uh, celebrate life. And uh, because that's what we do, and that's how we see barbecue. That's how we see barbecue in Brazil. It's never a meal. It's always a party. Um, and it's typically a party that's hap that happens religiously once a week. You know, so it's almost like going to church. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the restaurant... Um, is um, is a product of this idea. So we wanted to bring the whole vibe and the whole um, feeling that you got at the festival to the restaurant. So different techniques being explored, different animals, different cuts, uh, whole animal usage. Um, and uh, yeah, just a very good, like intense, intense experience, you know, like in, in terms of like, uh, food and fire. So I just have to say that, you know, when we arrived, we were just so blown away. Um, I'm never, I mean, you know, I've been to a lot of barbecue festivals in the States and um, I've never seen anything quite like your, and restaurants, I'll say that. And I haven't seen anything quite like your restaurant. Um, immediately when you walk in, there's, you know, some classic cars sitting in the driveway just for show. And it's, it's a mix of like, 
Brazilian rock and roll and, and kind of in, in my <laughs> mind. And then you also have the small church dedicated to St. Lawrence, the barbecue patron saint. And it's also a heritage site as well. Um, and I remember you giving us a tour and talking a little bit about, you know, just what, where, where the restaurant is located and the significance um, to indigenous people and that it was actually a, a, a prison for indigenous Brazilians at one time and early on and uh, during the colonial period. Am I correct? Yeah, you're absolutely correct. The, um, the house is an, it's a huge place, right? I mean, it's um, it, yeah. For people who would never been to Sao Paulo, Sao Paulo is a big, concrete jungle and uh, the house is a little oasis in the middle of that concrete jungle mm -hmm. it's uh, 8,000 uh, square meters uh, but it's huge uh, a lot of trees it's a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful site mm -hmm. and um, uh, the origin of that particular house which was built in 1815, so in the very uh, beginning of the 19th century, um, uh, uh, that, was a, that was a farmhouse. So that was a plantation of tea um, uh, in the middle of Sao Paulo. And um, it's very typical that colonial farms in Brazil would have... Uh, the farm owner's house, um, and then right below them in uh, the uh, the attic, um, uh, where they where they used to keep their enslaved people, uh, being them uh, uh, indigenous people or uh, uh, enslaved people from Africa, and uh, this 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 house that we today sit in uh, sit on sorry um, is um, is uh, protected by UNESCO and uh, yeah it's a site that it's uh, yeah it's a historic site in in, in Brazil it's uh, it's it's a beautiful place but it does have this uh, mixed feelings about it you know because uh, yeah every everything outside everything outside is gorgeous but then there's that one piece of it that reminds you of the saddest part of Brazilian history. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you've done, um, you and your team have done a good job of just highlighting it and not, you know, I mean, like in, I live in New Orleans and sometimes restaurants, you know, cover over where that uh, restaurant is located and, not, and never really tell the history of, you know, some of these restaurants or even just where, um, you know, what it once was, right? Um, so mm -hmm. I think because of your passion for history and, you know, your desire to, um, you know, really tell the whole truth, I think it really complements. And, you know, as you walk through the entire restaurant, I mean, you're just going on a complete journey. I mean, there's open fire everywhere. There's chefs everywhere. And, you know, one I read an article and just talking about how you make sure that also your chefs learn vegan dishes. And I thought that was, you know, really amazing to me because when you think about um, just, you know, the contemporary world we live in, we eat meat. So many people eat meat every day now. And when you look at our grandparents, they didn't eat meat every day. Meats were for special occasions, right? They were, especially farmers, they ate a lot of vegetables. And so to see that you are intentional about that, I think that's really profound. And I, I don't want to get to Amsterdam yet, but I, I wanted you to just talk about the quality of meats in Brazil, you know, because we, in America, we only have fogo de chao. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Uh, and that's not a good depiction of Brazilian, um, you know, barbecue to me. But, you know, and I'm and out, I, out there, I know that some of um, the people that I talked to were saying that the first introduction of barbecue, American barbecue was Outback Steakhouse in their eyes. Right. So mm -hmm. um, talk to me a little bit about the meat culture and just why you decided to make sure that chefs also learn vegan dishes. 
Well, uh, I'm concerned. <laughs> it's very simple. Um, uh, uh, I'm very concerned about um, you know our future as um, yeah as 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 a group, you know, as a species and um, climate change and so on and so forth. And uh, one of the very, um, there are several aspects like touching like climate change, but one of them is, uh, is the uh, excessive industrial uh, um, animal farming, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, as you put very well, like in the past, meat used to be the prize the delicacy, something that you would um, you would enjoy, you know, like from time to time, but not every day. And I grew up meeting, eat meeting uh, three times a day, seven times, seven days a week, you know. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know, there's always a piece of meat there. And um, being so involved in this industry. I uh, just started questioning, you know, like, uh, so what's really best, you know? And to me, what's best is that uh, we reduce. Um, so I'm a reducetarian. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's uh, if I if I can be classified, you know, like, in, if I can be labeled, I'm a reducetarian. And uh, I think we need to uh, reduce the amount of meat. Um, we consume, but uh, when we choose to do so, we choose the best possible quality. You know, uh, you know the the ten uh, the best in flavor, tenderness, and um, sustainability practices, and so on and so forth. Um, and and to me, that's very important because. Uh, apart from the fact that we need to reduce the, you know, the amount of meat we consume, you know, like just to save ourselves, it's uh, it's also amazing to explore the vegetable world, you know, like uh, when you when you see what Terry Bryan is doing, uh, uh, it's absolutely gorgeous work, you know. And uh, to me, that's uh, that's that's probably my drive. You know, like I I want to I want to show the beauty of uh, vegetables and fire, and uh, I really want to promote um, those producers of animal protein that adopt sustainable uh, practices. Absolutely. Um... And just, you know, walking around the festival and when we were prepping for our station, um, I just remember, you know, just seeing so the diversity of Brazil's um, food ways, you know, and how you supplied so, I mean, these huge, you know, cast iron pots and, you know, whatever the chefs needed. And I just, it was, it was incredible to see people prepare, you know, for, um, you know, to open the doors and big, huge Amazonian fish, um, you know, and there were others who were cooking barbecue, hanging from, you know, different, you know, metal um, apparatuses and the quality of meat. We were even just blown away because, you know, in the States, we do have genetically modified uh, meat, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. to try Brazilian barbecue at its, at its rarest form at its, you know, without all of the, the GMOs and the, all the other stuff that we put in our food mm -hmm. here, it was pure. And it reminded us of what it possibly tasted like when our grandparents were cooking barbecue in the States before all of these, um, you know, the, the uh, corporations, you know, and the conglomerates took over our meats, our, the processed meats. Yeah, no, I, I see what you mean. And um, uh, I'm very glad to hear uh, that you loved uh, the quality of the, the meat that you had there. Yes. Uh, I do think Brazilian meat is uh, one of the best in the world. Uh, and it's not because I'm from there, uh, but I'm, I know, like, I try to, I try to have a technical look at it, 
and uh, I really think it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Brazil is uh, mostly pastures, um, and uh, we do have uh, some intensive uh, confinement uh, production, um, which is not necessarily bad because you know, like pasture does require a lot of land, and um, uh, I'm actually in favor of confinement uh, allied with pastures, and that's a motto that Brazil adopted uh, pretty well. Uh, so what happens? Uh, what happens in terms of um, especially beef production? Uh, animals are uh, they're born and raised in pastures, and then they're transferred to confinement areas where they can just gain weight, and um, and uh, just it just it just worked out so well. You know, like it's uh, it's always been. Um, it's always been good, and now the quality of Brazilian meat is absolutely great. Mm. You know, like it's, um, it's. Uh, I, I think it's. Um, I, I think it's. Um, well, uh, Brazil is not. It's not alone in that, right? Uh, you know, Argentinian beef is great. Uruguayan beef is great, and so on and so forth. So there, there are other experiences uh, that are, are equally amazing. We're going to come back after these messages from our advertisers and we thank Gustavo and we thank all of you all who are listening and tuning in and we'll be right back after this messages. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's home of heritage radio network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. We're back to Culture and Flavor with Zella Palmer, and our guest, Gustavo, is with us, uh, who founded Churrascada International Barbecue and Musical Festival, and is also the co-founder and creative director of Soil Vegan Cafe in the Netherlands. And we were just talking about uh, barbecue in Brazil and the culinary traditions from Native American um, indigenous folks, African, European roots. And I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the uh, featured chefs that he has at Churrascada. Last year, I walked around and met so many new friends and, you know, just even the uh, volunteers just have an incredible story and a passion, a deep passion for barbecue and telling Brazilian uh, barbecue's history. So can you talk to me a little bit about some of the featured chefs that you had last year and what we can expect this year yeah so last year my whole um uh, uh, motto was um to uh, bring back brazilians to their own barbecue roots so after so many years working with american barbecue in brazil um and um promoting american barbecue in brazil I thought uh, it was about time for Brazilians to claim a Brazilian barbecue tradition, uh, even if that's influenced by the the traditions of uh, you know like American style barbecue, like smoked meats, uh, low and slow, and so on and so forth. And uh, uh, last year, the chefs uh, from Brazil that I tried to uh, bring in 
and uh, who presented amazing dishes were a combination of um, traditional um, Brazilian and indigenous Brazilian and African Brazilian uh, uh, chefs um, like Zora Santos and Fabrício Goulart and uh, Andressa uh, with uh, um, more let's put it this way are more uh, original and new and more like uh, chefs that are not necessarily uh, linked to the tradition but uh, more with the with the creativity um, uh, so I kind of like try to show to these chefs that they could probably explore a little bit more of the Brazilian flavors and the traditional Brazilian flavors um, other than just trying to uh, yeah, copy you know, like uh, the American style barbecue. And they did an amazing job because they combined uh, the two um, the, the two cultures. Um, and I thought um, that the experience to the yeah, to our guests were was just amazing. And uh, yeah, we still brought some uh, American chefs, but uh, none of them were like really uh, traditional American style barbecue, you know. So we had Ernest Cervantes, you know, like showing a little bit of his uh, Mexican style barbecue. And then we have Don Nguyen showing a little bit of uh, his uh, Viet Tex uh, uh, take on classic American barbecue. Uh, so it was like a, a an interesting that that's among many different chefs, right? So I, I feel bad if I don't mention like one or another, uh, somebody's gonna be mad at me, but. Uh, They'll all understand. Like it's a in in the end, what I wanted to show is that you can make. You, I wanted to show to Brazilian chefs that you can make your own barbecue, and it's not a problem if you bring in a new culture into your culinary tradition, uh, and if you respect. And if you combine that new tradition with the old traditions of your own country, the indigenous traditions, uh, uh, the African-Brazilian traditions, you may actually bring something better to the table. Mm. It was a sight to see. I've ne like I said, I've never seen a barbecue festival like that because you know a lot of the barbecue festivals that we have in the states are very commercialized, um, and you know it's it's become to the point where um, you know it's and no no offense to anybody who you know is on the circuit. You know, I, I know people work very hard for this, but to see just your passion uh, for history and for uplifting unheard voices was mind-blowing to me. Um, and the creativity, I mean, I can't, I can't state enough just how creative, um, this festival was the music. I mean, I, you even had a live band that was going around and playing and, you know, I almost cried when they started playing New Orleans second line music. <laughs> I said, I'm home. <laughs> and, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, that's, that's me. I love New Orleans. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. You have to come. <laughs> come again. You're welcome. <laughs> I'll come again. I'll, yes. come, I'll come as many times as I as my life permits. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so you know, and then when I remember with um, Mr. Ed Mitchell and uh, Ryan, and you know our phenomenal team, Brazilian team that uh, you know just helped us cook through the night, and you know, the whole hog that you all provided, I mean, it was deboned. I've never seen anything like that. I was just like, wow, this is incredible. <laughs> I mean, it was the the most beautiful butchery I've ever seen. And we were just blown away, you know, and even the fact That's that you so all funny. don't use lighter fluid, you know, like we do in the States and just keep it pure, keep it pure. Um, that, that was, that was phenomenal. So this year, what can we, we expect? 
I mean, this year is uh, sort of an evolution of uh, what we presented last year. I um, I think that me as the festival curator, um, I am I, I have the uh, obligation of uh, showing amazing food, and uh, my path to showing amazing food is bringing as much diversity as possible. Or, let's put it this way, not bringing as much diversity as possible, but just respecting the Brazilian diversity. Mm -hmm. You know, like Brazilian gastronomy culture has been Europeanized uh, for, you know, the last 523 years. Mm -hmm. And um, that's not what Brazilian gastronomy is really all about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, uh, you know, Brazil. Brazil is the combination of uh, African, Amerindian, and European cultures, mm-hmm. and so is our culinary tradition. And um, this year, more than ever, that's what I want to show. You know, I want to give. Uh, um, you know, the stage to the people who own the stage Hmm. and um, not necessarily to the people who are on the cover of the magazines, Hmm. (laughs) you know, to the chefs who are on the the cover of the magazines and they don't necessarily translate what uh, Brazil really is. Hmm. Um, So uh, we're going to see a lot of black food. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we call it comida preta, um, and uh, we're also going to see a lot of indigenous food, um, from like in the, the deeps of the Amazon, and um, we are bringing um, uh, chefs from the states. Uh, Gabrielle Etienne is coming, uh, Toyo Bodhi is coming. Um, we're bringing um, a, a barbecue hall of fame chef, Adam Perry Lang, uh, which has probably nothing to do with this whole idea, but he's an amazing chef. Uh, uh, and I'm pretty sure he's going to have an amazing time. And, uh, you know, like we've been talking about his creation, like for the past, uh, you know, like, uh, four or five weeks and, uh, it's going to look amazing. And, uh, we're bringing chefs from Ghana, Jamaica, Nigeria, you know, like I'm very concerned, uh, uh about showing to Brazilians, you know, like the connection between what we understand as Brazilian food and the food that was um, and the and the culinary traditions that were built in all parts of the Americas mm-hmm. by with and uh, you know like from African traditions and uh, I really I'm really concerned about uh, showing to, to my guests, um the connection i want i want them to see uh, how our food uh is connected to the food of new orleans for example absolutely you know or north carolina or jamaica you know like uh the food from bahia uh you know a state in the the northeast of uh, brazil um uh, that is uh, very very much black um, um, it is connected to this to these parts of the world and to show the importance of it. You know, like uh, in the end, I want to celebrate uh, you know, like the beauty of uh, the different cultures, and I think food just gets better if we if we do that. You know, when we get rid of the um, this uh, this idea that uh, the European style of food is the standard, uh, we start to open our eyes to uh, better flavors, not better flavors, but new flavors. You know, like who am I to say which flavor is better than 
than the other, right? But new flavors, I mean, it just makes the experience more intense and more interesting. And that's that, and that's the beauty of it. You know, like mm-hmm. in the end, the food gets better. Mm. You know, the more the more uh, culture we bring in. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you say that because you know, for quite some time, um, just in you know culinary scholars, journalists, et cetera. They always put African or indigenous last as far as the contributions. And when you even look at Brazil and just, you know, how you all have cassava and manioc and, you know, all of the farofa and so much. I mean, it's okra, okra, you know, and then okra for Christ's sake. (laughs) You know, black eyed peas. (laughs) And to, to put that last is just uh, has always been mind blowing to me because you know I've um, traveled many times to West Africa. I have my first cousins are half Nigerian, so eat, growing up, you know, eating and in, in New Orleans Creole cuisine, you know, stewed okra, and to not mm-hmm. see that connection and to put those contributions last is um, it's, it's 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 heartbreaking a lot of times. So to see your festival on a global scale that is bringing people Brazilians first. And the diversity mm-hmm. of Brazil, but then also being intentional on who you are inviting from other countries to participate in this community is profound. Yeah, I, I do feel like festivals, uh, sometimes they're uh, too much about, um, you know, the necessary uh, fund, uh, which is uh, very important. Uh, because after all, if you're paying, if you're buying a ticket to have a good time on a Saturday, you know, like, uh, yeah, you should have fun. Um, but um, I, I think we as culinary people, we we should pay attention to these, uh, you know, uh, big details. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I, 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 I think... I think Brazilian Brazilian culinary traditions uh, can be translated into uh, a carajé, which is a fritter made with uh, black-eyed peas mm-hmm. and vatapá, a stew with uh, breadcrumbs, coconut milk, and uh, palm seed oil, and uh, moqueca, you know, like uh, which is a seafood stew made with coconut milk, then the oil again, like then the oil is uh, how we call palm seed oil, right? Uh, that came from from Africa, uh, and feijoada, of course, which is a, a product of um, you know, like enslaved people who used to try to produce the best possible dish with let's call I, I hate the word leftover pieces um, of pork. And, and and beef and mix it with beans and just create this beautiful stew that became uh, the national dish of Brazil. And then you have like caruru, which is a nocra dish, and xinxin, uh, uh, chicken xinxin, and, uh, you know, a shrimp bobo and like bobo de camarão. These are all like super African dishes, you know, like, and they're all part of our culture. And uh, and they're very and they're very unique. Um, and uh, why do we value so much? Uh, you know, like culinary traditions that come from abroad, when our culture is so rich and so diverse, and um, and can bring in so much flavor to the world. You know, you're making me hungry and ma- making me miss Brazil. <laughs> Thank, thank you. That's 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 my goal here is to make people hungry. Come to Brazil, people. Yes. Come to Brazil. <laughs> now let's pivot uh, and talk a little bit. Uh, you and I, you know, have had discussions about the Colombo settlement, and since we're talking about the contributions of Africans to Brazil, um, you know, and I, I'm curious to, you know, your Talk a little about the Colombo settlements and maybe their food ways and what is the Colombo settlements for those who don't know um, about um, enslaved history in, in Brazil. Yeah, the, well, uh, well, uh, slave history in Brazil is, um, is uh, quite intense. Uh, 
Brazil is the country that um, that uh, received um, more enslaved uh, Africans than any other country in the world, in the Americans during the the, the Atlantic uh, slave trade. Um, so it's um, and I think it's 15 million people, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, during 14, 14 uh, hundred, uh, sorry, 400 years um, were taken from Africa to the Americas. Uh, Brazil received uh, about 40% of these people. Uh, so we're talking about 5 million people. And um, that really... Uh, impacted uh, who we are. In in fact, Brazil started with slavery because before slavery and before before slavery became an economy or an industry in Brazil, uh, Brazil wasn't even really a country. You know, like, uh, yeah, it was just like a leftover colony and Portugal was still trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But uh, but once once uh, slavery was established and this uh, weird evil triangulation like between Africa, Brazil, Europe, like so Africa would export people, Brazil would export uh, 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 different products, um, you know, starting with wood and then sugar and then coffee and then you know, like gold. Uh, to Europe, and then Europe would export manufactured products to Africa. Uh, um, I, I lost myself here because this, 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 it's this intense. That it's really, intense. Um, but it, but it's in, it's super intense, mm-hmm. right? So uh, um, yeah, so Brazil Brazil was um, was um, yeah received more uh, enslaved people than any other country in the Americas. And that's what makes Brazil today a country that's about 56% uh, black. Uh, It's the the second largest black country in the world after Nigeria. And uh, of course, our culture how we think, how we behave, um, uh, adopted uh, a lot of these traditions, like in our religion, um, in our music, in in our food, and so on and so forth. So Brazil was the last country to abolish slavery, and that only happened in 1888. Going back to your question, what what are the quilombos, right? So the quilombos are, I'm, I'm I just try to like uh, paint a picture of how Brazil was like built, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, in four hundred years, uh, for us to get to to our days. So the quilombos. Um, they were really uh, resistance communities founded by uh, runaway enslaved people in the Brazilian hinterland. And uh, these resistant communities uh, still exist to this day. There are about uh, 3,500 quilombos uh, in Brazil or quilombola communities. And uh, they still function to this day as pre- preservationists of their cultural heritage. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's really amazing. It's really amazing. Um, it's really amazing what they did. You know, I mean, I'm not a I'm not a specialist. Like I'm a food specialist. Uh, I can certainly connect you with, uh, you know, like a lot of specialists, but uh, I, I think it's, uh, they still resist, you know, like uh, within their own communities. And, and, and I think it's, it's beautiful. It is. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a common, um, you know, just how 
is, you know, enslaved people were human beings, right? Um, and so how they resisted, how they also fed themselves and tried to survive. Um, we have common stories here in Louisiana of maroon cultures, which are archilombos, and how, mm-hmm. you know, they would make these gumbos, you know, and use sassafras, which is, you know, we call filet powder and preserve those gumbos because you needed that meal, that stew to feed everybody. And you didn't want the fire or, you know, to alert somebody that you were hiding out in the swamps. Right. So, you know, Mm -hmm. and to the, the, the infrastructure and just the systems that, that they created in their own community to resist this oppressive um, system is profound. And you see that in Jamaica, you see that in Cuba, Um, you know, when you look at Carlota in Cuba, you know, the slave rebellion there, it, it was a network of resistance and how, you know, food was integral to that is, is, is really interesting. Um, but I want to. I want to. No, it's it's really it's really everywhere, eh? and um, and uh, when we see, uh, I mean, I'm a I'm a white man, right? I mean, it's um, it, it's hard for me to um, express like the deep feelings um, of it because I just don't have them in me, you know. I uh, I sympathize, uh, and I try to. Um, to make them uh, whatever I can, you know, like to uh, to change points of view and uh, and the mindsets, and uh, once again to bring more interesting, better food to people's tables. Um, but uh, I think it's these are uh, beautiful histories of uh, heroism and uh and really uh yeah resistance as you put very well you know resistance and there's still and 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 the thing is that that's still happening yes you know that's still happening uh with um the indigenous communities in brazil they're still resisting in their tribes and in their uh, indigenous um, uh, areas, uh, the Quilombola communities, they're still resisting, um, you know, like to everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's crazy that, you know, after 400 years, we're still debating that. Right. Yeah. I mean, it really, it really bothers me, you know, like, uh, come on. Yeah. Like, yeah. People wake up, you know. Like, um. yeah. And I think I think Brazil, Brazilian history, and you know, um, you know, U.S. history, we have a lot, and uh, you know, in Caribbean as well, um, and throughout Latin America, we all have very similar stories, um, and you know, just and we can learn a lot from our past and really our present and how we repeat the same things, you know, that same mistakes that. Um, you know, when you look at the Amazon jungle, you know, the Amazonians and uh, Amerindians and, you know, what they're going through as well as um, people of African descent all over. I mean, I, th- I think I saw something recently about uh, President Lula meeting with the Uni Leife from Nigeria. And I think he went over to Brazil, if I'm not sp- not uh, mistaken. And, you know, just the Yoruba mm-hmm. culture and, you know, the candomblé, the, uh, all of the different cultures that have come from these indigenous cultures that were brought over on slave ships or, or were already in Brazil is mind blowing. Um, but I want to move on now to, uh, soil vegan cafe, uh, Mm-hmm. And just how you ended up in Amsterdam. And, you know, I've seen some videos of you talking about sustainability and just why um, you launched Soil Vegan Cafe in Amsterdam. So how did mm-hmm. you end up in Amsterdam? So that was um, a product of my beautiful wife's uh, work. Uh, I'll tell her I send her my love, please. <laughs> I adore her. <laughs> she was uh, she was uh, transferred uh, to Amsterdam, or she she was invited to uh, move to Amsterdam for her work. Uh, we were living in Brazil after living in the states for almost four years, uh, 
Um, so we were back in Brazil. She received this uh, invitation or promotion. And um, we decided just to take a sh chance and uh, come over. And uh, it's been eight years so far. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Wow. And, um, and um, of course, me being an, uh, an entrepreneur, uh, I had the, yeah, the, the privilege, I would say, uh, um, to kind of like get around it and uh, try to rearrange my life and, uh, and uh, support her. And uh, I think, um, yeah, I'm very proud of her. Hope she's very mm -hmm. proud of me. <laughs> I think you you all are a dynamic duo. <laughs> she loves that. She, you all are a dynamic duo together. I've seen you all in action. So <laughs> and uh, and uh, and um, and um, yeah, soil. Why why does soil exist? Well, I I I said before that you know I feel quite responsible, you know, uh, when it comes to meat consumption. And uh, I started to do something uh, about it in my own personal life and with the family life, you know, like uh, it's me, my wife and two kids. So we started reducing like meat at home. And it was quite easy, right? Because I cook. So uh uh, you know, I I could bring up like some 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 good dishes, you know, like just like vegetable based dishes, and um, out on the streets, vegan food was really really bad, you know, uh, mm. nothing appealed to me, and I'm and that's my own personal point of view. Okay, so I'm not saying that whatever vegan food's bad you know like I'm, i just it's gotten a lot better over the years i have to say it's gotten it's a lot better. it's it's been getting better but uh i think that uh, nothing really appealed to me uh, as a customer or as or as a hospitality uh entrepreneur so uh what i try to do with soil is to basically bring that same barbecue uh, experience to vegan food. Hmm. So we're about uh, big flavors, loud music. Um, Brazilian. Yeah, it, 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 it is. It is a little bit Brazilian in, in some way, it's although huge. I do not have a single Brazilian uh, stamped dish. Most of my dishes are uh, either uh, Southern, uh, U.S. Southern, mm -hmm. uh, Southeast Asian, Far East Asian, uh, or just like South American overall. Uh, so mm -hmm. I'm not linked to any uh, particular uh, cuisine at Soil. All I want to do is to show big flavors without animal products. I think that, you know, maybe it's just you, you know, Brazil Brazilian culture is a mindset. It's like, you know, people from New Orleans, you can take someone out of New Orleans, but they'll still be from New Orleans, right? And they take their culture wherever they go. And then maybe perhaps that's what you've done with Soil Vegan, bold flavors, passion, music, you know, um, and merging that to bring something to the table that is vegan, but actually tastes good. Am I correct? I totally agree with you. Uh, we have a saying, uh, you get out of Brazil, but Brazil never gets out of you. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You know, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think it's always about uh, the experience. And uh, food is just part of the experience we're putting on our plate. You know, it has to do with the music. You know, with the smell and what you see and uh, the textures that you feel on your hands when you touch your tables. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's complex. But uh, but in in the end, I mean, soil has been open for uh, almost five years now. It's uh, two locations in Amsterdam. And uh, 
we're just trying to uh i mean if vegan food had had ever been uh fun i would say like bring back fun to vegan food <laughs> but uh i just want to say like let's make vegan food fun you know mm. um and uh that's what i'm trying to do uh i'm not saying that's right or wrong like i don't have all the answers but this is something that i really believe in you know like i don't think that you have to be vegan and sell a uh, green juice or a smoothie bowl you know like uh, no we're going to sell ribs and we're going to sell sausages and we're going to sell um and make uh, amazing uh, smoked beans you know um mm -hmm. you know so i mean we're it's almost like vegan food 3.0 what we're trying to do you know nice and um yeah so so there's no no juices you know but there's like fantastic natural wines and uh, artisanal beers <laughs> wow so next time you guys are listeners um you know i want to thank you all for tuning in to culture and flavor i want to thank gustavo so 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 much and please send my my love to your lovely wife and you know we're so excited to um you know, just hear more about Churrascada Barbecue Festival, hear more about Soil Vegan Cafe. Um, if you're in Sao Paulo, definitely go see Fazenda, go to Fazenda Churrascada, which is an incredible barbecue restaurant. And I mean, there's so much on, I'm sure, on the horizon for Gustavo as he continues to build and just be true to his Brazilian roots, but also um, lifting up unheard voices and voices that really had needed to be at the forefront in the first place. So thank you, Gustavo, for all of your work. Thank you so much, Zella. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, but thank you so much for the space uh, and Absolutely. for the opportunity to share a little bit of uh, my experience and uh, what I think and uh, my point of view. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Thank you all for tuning in to Culture and Flavor. Peace. <laughs> Culture and Flavor is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.